Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, making his Mizzou Sports Podcast debut, is Gatehouse Missouri's Chris Bowie. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Chris, why don't you, why don't you introduce yourself to the people of podcast land? You know, uh, what you're doing, how you've covered Mizzou, all that. Well, uh, I started with the Boomville Daily News, and I've been covering high school sports for them for uh, several years, and... Uh, you know, Gatehouse Media and, uh, of course, owns the uh, Boomer Daily News and uh, Columbia Tribune. So now I'm the uh, Olympic, I guess, Mizzou Olympic beat writer covering uh, football, uh, soccer, volleyball, wrestling and softball and baseball. Yeah, Chris has been doing our midweek story every uh, every week here at the Tribune. Been doing... Uh I guess uh, some of those have been on. This week was Tyree Gillespie. Last week was Khalil Oliver. A couple weeks ago, Adam Sparks. You did Adam Sparks. You did Tyler Beatty at one point. Yeah. You did a preview for South Carolina, and he's been doing uh, kind of our, our sidebars for game days. Rashad Floyd did the offensive line. Uh, can you remember some of the other ones you did? Maybe uh, uh, Chris Turner. Chris Turner as well. Yeah. Talked yeah. to, of course, all the deep, uh, David Gibbs. Uh, you know some of those guys too. So. Uh, you, you're so you've lived in Missouri your entire life, right? That's correct. Memories kind of going forward. So you've been kind of paying, I guess, a longer attention to this team than I have. Um, favorite memories from Mizzou football, anything like that? Oh gosh, I don't want to tell me my tell everybody my age, but uh, uh, I remember the Pazarkowitz years, uh, Leo Lewis, uh, Andy Hill, who's now the uh, special teams coach uh, for Missouri. Uh, so I've been I've been <laughs> through the ups and the downs just like everybody else. But uh, hopefully, you know the uh, Tigers will get it going here soon. So let me ask you this then: Who's the best quarterback in your opinion, Mizzou has ever had? Is it Chase Daniel? Yeah, I, I yeah. don't think you could. I said that, and that. I realized it's probably. But Chase you know, Daniel. I've always been a, a Brad Smith fan too, and uh, you know they've had some great quarterbacks in the past too. Uh, you know, Pizarkowitz, uh, Colby Jones. Uh, uh, so they've had some great quarterbacks too. So, is there a favorite game you remember watching? Um, no, not really. I mean, I, I, there's so many that I just can't remember all of them. Uh, they just, uh, I would say, even though they lost the Nebraska-Missouri game, you know, with the kick in the end zone, that was a great game, uh, even though Missouri lost. Uh, I would, another one was when Macklin opened the uh, uh, game up against Oklahoma with a touchdown, and they knocked off the Sooners that night. So that was probably one of my best games I've, I've seen in the you know, Missouri play. I guess we get back into, I guess, this year's team now. Overall thoughts, I know 
Kevin and I have been on here the past couple of weeks kind of talking about what we think of this year's team, but overall thoughts of this year's team, Chris? Well, uh, you know what? You know, the thing that surprises me, and I thought about this coming over, is I, the secondary has been really good this year. And, you know, I think they've just stepped it up. And, you know, last year they struggled a little bit. Uh, you know, I think the offensive line, everybody expected them to be good. Uh, you know, uh, Kelly Bryant, you know, of course, he's been a great asset to the team. But uh, overall, this team, uh, you know, offensively and defensively, I think the sky's the limit with with the team. And I know, uh, looking back, it looks kind of uh, a, a little bit, you know, far-fetched on, I guess, all three of our behalfs, Kevin, you and myself, but we picked the season. All three of us picked a win in Wyoming, but you picked the Tigers to have the best record of the three of us at that time. What was your belief then, and has that kind of changed with, with covering them live? Um, you know, yeah, I think the Wyoming game, like everybody, I, I think that kind of threw everybody, you know, a loop there. But, uh, uh, you know, I see this team. I think Georgia's going to be tough. I, you know, I thought South Carolina was a win. I th- I still think Kentucky's a win, Tennessee, and, and a lot of people, you know, favored Florida over Missouri later on in the season, and I still think that's a winnable game. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. It's, it, and, and as I said um, with my appearance on Georgia on Monday, Florida has, looks kind of susceptible right now, watching them play my alma mater in Towson. And Towson should have scored at least three touchdowns on them. It just happened that some of the conditioning that an FCS team, as good as they can be, can't go through the level to an SEC school and watching them kind of live it come becomes becomes kind of obvious if Missouri was in that situation that would have been a win for them just like when they won in the swamp last year so yeah it definitely seems like and I don't want to be overly positive because that's not how college football works at the end of the day there is a winner and a loser in every game it just seems like this year more than any other and it was the opposite way last year that it seems to just to be aligning that things could go Missouri's way. Yeah, it, it just seems like it could. Yes, the, the adversity is going to strike, and, and I probably still do think this team is going to end up 9-3 and three in some regard. I do I do still think that because Georgia is most likely a loss, and we can talk about more of that coming up. Uh, somewhere they get tripped up. I, I just, it just seems like weird that with how many other games they have left to go, you know, not only this weekend with Troy, but Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, Arkansas, that all seven of those end up being wins. It just seems like like, like a big statement to say with not too much proof behind it. Uh, yes, it looks kind of... Uh, I said after the Wyoming loss when they were 0-1 that 7-1 was still on the table. And yes, it still is four weeks later, five weeks later. So, yeah, well, maybe we'll get a little bit breaking down a little bit of what you know Troy has done. You know, uh, We kind of asked Barry Odom on Tuesday, was there any familiarity kind of preparing knowing that Neil Brown was choice coach last year and you've already faced the Neil Brown team this year in West Virginia? And it seems like it, it, they're doing some different things down there in Troy with Chip Lindsey, the former, uh, former Auburn OC, as their head coach. Uh, just, just they have a really good quarterback in Caleb Barker, who's been most starting for them for multiple years. But the thing that I can't get behind or can't get past is how is this Troy defense going to stop Missouri? They well, put up fifty on Arkansas State, or Arkansas State put up fifty on them, and I have no problem saying that Missouri's offense is probably more talented than Arkansas State's. Well, yeah, I, I, this team. I, I think the big question this game is, you know, how's Missouri going to stop Arkansas? I mean, uh, Troy. Uh, you know, they put up uh, fifty points last week in a lost Arkansas State and over five hundred yards and. Uh, you know this. I don't know. I mean, you look at this game. You know, Wyoming's a good team. Uh, South Carolina, I think, is a little bit down from what people thought. And uh, you know, this could be one of Missouri's, you know, first test of the season, just because of the fact of what Troy does offensively. 
And, and I think I, I put, they're going to read a little bit more about this on Saturday, but I think it can't be overlooked that Troy comes into this game with almost no expectations. At yeah. the end of the day, Missouri is expected to win this game by more than three touchdowns. If Troy comes in and just tries and throws a couple haymakers, some of them won't land, but what if one does? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, anything's possible, I guess. But, uh, again, I think the secondary is going to be tested. You know, just the fact that, you know, Troy can throw the ball. And, uh, you know, like you said, Barker, the quarterback, you know, he's capable of, you know, putting the ball in the air. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, I think this will be a good test for Missouri going into the Ole Miss game the following week. The thing is, is that Missouri just can't look at this. You know, people say, well, this could be a trap game just because you got Ole Miss next week homecoming. So, you know, Missouri can't overlook Troy because if you look in the past, Troy's knocked off some teams, you know, LSU, Nebraska in the past years. And, uh, you know, they have also beat Missouri, you know, and I think it was, what, 2004, 2002? Yeah, They knocked off 24-14, and I remember that game. And uh, I never would have thought Missouri would have lost that game either. But, you know, it happened. Yeah, as a part of my research for Saturday's section, I went back and looked. When's the last time Missouri lost two games in a season to a group of five, or now group of five teams? And I went all the way back through Barry Odom's tenure and Gary Pinkles, and it hasn't happened. So I stopped at 99, because usually Missouri, and, and, and it's rare for Missouri for a school to play two uh, teams that are, you know, in the group of five by themselves, much less have that be two losses. Yes, there were some ugly losses that I found, like one to Middle Tennessee, one to Bowling Green that happened in the early 2000s that was pretty ugly. And, and obviously, I found that Troy loss as well. But Missouri had has not lost two games in a, to a group of five team in a season. I think they lost a Navy at some point. And it, 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 just, it would be a catastrophic loss for Barry Odom because of what happened in Wyoming. But yet, we've seen this team kind of do more and see this team kind of you know evolve from where they were in Wyoming. So if there's another huge setback with a loss to Troy, it's kind of like those three losses almost didn't mean anything, even though Missouri would still be in perfect contention, just like it is now for you know an SEC title. And I think before we go on to say anything more, let's uh, hear from our sponsors and let's uh, take a quick break. We'll talk some basketball when we come back, and maybe a little bit more football. But here is a quick word from our sponsors. like to thank our sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create your perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. And now back to our podcast. And thank you again to our sponsors. Uh, we're back here with Chris Bowie from Gate House, Missouri. Uh, Going to ask him a couple questions here about Missouri football season, and uh, then we'll get into some basketball recruiting at the end of this episode. All right, Chris, kind of putting you on the hot seat here. Who has been your surprise player from Missouri for the good side? Who surprised you the most in a good way to kind of be a leader on this team so far this season? I think uh, Bolton's played really well so far this year. You know, their linebacking core, I think, in my opinion, uh, along with Kel Garrett, has to be one of the top 
I would say three, four, five in the SEC. Uh, you know, so far they played well. So Bolton's really surprised me, and uh, you know, I would look for him to step it up even further down the road when they uh, start really playing teams like Georgia, you know, Florida, some of those good teams in the SEC East. How about uh, in the other way? Unfortunately, who has been a couple players that you expected more from at this point, if there is one that maybe haven't done as much as you would expect it? Well, I, I think Albert O. And maybe just because of the injuries, you know, he had earlier in the season, um, you know, with him being a uh, one of the NFL top tight, you know, top tight ends coming out next year. Um, so I would expect him to, but I, I, you know, I think he'll pick it up again toward the end of the season. You know, maybe when you know Missouri needs him the most. Who's a player that we haven't heard much from, good, bad, or anything that you think can make a difference for this team, kind of coming into the last eight games of the year? Well, I, I think there's several. I think, uh, you know, um, Nance uh, is one. Uh, Tyler Beatty I like to see more of. I mean, he had a great game in, uh, you know, what was the Wyoming game. I think he had a great game. Uh, i like to see him get a few more carries. Him and, uh, So uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, but more than anything, I just think that, uh, you know, this team just needs to keep doing what they're doing, and I think wins will come. Overall, the job Barry Odom has done from the sidelines, what grade would you give it? I would say right now, I'd say a B. I think he's done a real good job. That Wyoming loss kind of hurts quite a bit. Uh, you know, and we'll see down the road, uh, you know, if he can go into Georgia and knock them off. I mean, this guy gets an A++. <laughs> but, uh, you know, right now I would say a B. I think he's done a great job. Uh, uh, you know, keeping this team together, you know, with the bowl band, not knowing what's going to happen there. Uh, so uh, I think that, uh, you know, in the future, this guy can, you know, maybe lead this team to, you know, maybe what the fans thought he could do. And then I know, I know we, we saw your early season prediction of where you thought this team could be. What do you think the team's record is going to be at the end of the day, at the end of the regular season right now? Is I, it still high? What is it? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, the Georgia game is the big game. I mean, you know, if they can go into Georgia, you know, and a lot of teams are people aren't giving them a chance to win that game. And, you know, it's going to be tough to win on the road against, you know, what the number three team in the nation. Uh, you know, if you can come away with their 10-point loss, 7-point loss, that would be great. A win would even be wonderful. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think this team can – I think they can finish 10 and 2. I, you know, I, earlier in the year, I thought 11 and 1, you know, not counting that like that Wyoming loss. So that kind of, you know, threw everybody for a loop. But I think they can go 10 and 2, like you said, 9 and 3. Sounds good. And I think it's only fair when we have guests on the show and they make their debut, I always ask them, going back to our tradition for our prep podcast last year, favorite place to eat in Columbia? What was your, what's your favorite place to eat in Columbia? You never tried Booch's, which I think we're going to after we record this. But, uh, Favorite place you've tried so far, and it can't be Cheddar's. <laughs> what about Texas Roadhouse? <laughs> <laughs> Favorite non-chain? Yeah. Oh, that? man. Uh, Addison's? Uh, Addison's is fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. So, uh, before we end this episode, uh, we'll talk about some basketball recruiting. Uh, maybe touch on some football here at the end. But, uh, yeah, we teased Caleb Love's decision. The CBC guard had narrowed down to North Carolina and Missouri. As expected, he did pick North Carolina. I mean... You can't fault the kid for going to want to play under Roy Williams and playing probably for one of the top five programs in NCAA history with all the tradition down there in Chapel Hill. The only thing that was kind of interesting, and I don't blame Caleb Love for this, and I don't, but uh, I pay more attention to it more than any, more than you know most people do, which is why I'm a reporter. But 
He said in an interview on Sunday that he was still torn with 50-50, but then after he had made the uh, decision, he told reporters in St. Louis that he made up his mind a week ago. Uh, just a little bit interesting dynamic there. Probably shouldn't even mention that, but uh, just that, that was interesting for me because um, it, it shows that how there's no second-place trophies, there's no nothing like that. As good of a recruiting job as Conzo has done, I think being there at the end with all the schools that are in the mix for Caleb Love is a good sign. It shows that there's still a lot of room to grow there. It shows that, you know, how far that Missouri has come since the days of Bradley Beal, where I think he picked up a Mizzou offer, but never even gave, you know, I don't even know what the coach was at the time. It was before Frank Haith. Um, it was not, but it was after Norm Stewart. I can tell you that, um, you know, he didn't even give them a true look and went to Florida. But, uh, but now, even looking back at you know how, really how close they were to getting Caleb Love, I think it's a very good sign. Uh, you know, he's still an 18 year old kid, just prone to make mistakes. You know, but his potential looks awfully, awfully good. You know, he still has a senior season at CBC to go. But you know, from all the reports down in Chapel Hill, Cole Anthony, their Caleb Love of the 2019 class, looks like a one and done guy, going to be a top five draft pick in next year's NBA draft. And then there's a spot that kind of opens for Caleb Love to kind of. You know, not take the reins, but be a major contributor at one of the biggest schools in America from day one. But you know, Chris, did you think they were getting love? What kind of what well, would you take on that whole thing? I'm like everybody. I think fifty fifty shot. I thought uh, you know it'd been nice if he had come to Missouri. You know, but you know, again, these are seventeen, eighteen year olds making a decision, and uh, you know, you got to look at. North Carolina is North Carolina. It's like Duke is Duke. Kentucky's Kentucky. Uh, you know, Missouri, even when Norm Stewart was the coach, you know, we got great players. Uh, John Sunvold, uh, Stepanovich, uh, you know, Willie Smith. I mean, there were a lot of great uh, Doug, Doug Smith, uh, Derek Chivas back in the days had some great basketball players. And, uh, you know, I think Missouri can compete with those teams. And, you know, and they've proven they can in the past. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see them get back to that, uh, you know, where they could compete, you know, in the top of the SEC and, uh, you know, maybe even make a little bit of noise in the uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah. And fans kind of see like that there was top recruits coming here. They had that chance with the Porter brothers. And it, it's a hard comparison to make because, yes, their potential, both of them looks good with how they've kind of been considered in the NBA and the little specs here and there they, show, they showed. But you know, it's not like the opportunity is completely gone from Missouri. It would have been nice to kind of see where the program would be had Mike and John say both been incredibly healthy. But part of them coming here it was was having their dad on staff. But it also shows in the early stages of what Conzo's relationships and the inroads he's made. So we still got to keep. You got to be a realist. It's still year three here. John Calipari didn't turn Kentucky into a absolute juggernaut straight away, even though he did really well at UMass. Even Mike Krzyzewski didn't turn, you know, Duke into that, he, you know, straight away. He had to build it up. It's, you know, it's, that's just that's just how these things go. It's not an easy process. It's not a quick process. And I think if Missouri stays behind Conzo and gives him a chance at least for two to three more years, at the very least, probably closer to five to ten, to really build his base here. And I, I, and he's an East St. Louis guy. I think he, you know, this is, this is a community or this is a, a, a backdoor community to one he feels incredibly comfortable in. It could happen, you know. It's, there's still chances it might not, but I, I feel I feel judging Conzo as a recruiter at this point in his Missouri tenure is very premature. 
Yeah, I agree with you. But at some point, he's got to start pulling in some of these players that you know that have gotten away. Um, you know, if Missouri's going to make a run, you know, for the SEC title, and uh, like I say, make a run in NCAA tournament. You know, somewhere down the road, you know, they've got to start pulling in some of these players. And Kansas still has that chance in this class with Josh Christopher from Mayfair, California, uh, kind of ranked even higher than Caleb Love, and Missouri is in his top five. He's the cousin of Nicodemus Christopher, their uh, strength and conditioning coach for the men's basketball team. Uh, but he's actually going to take six official visits, even though he has a top five. Uh, I read actually a pretty cool article in The Atlantic, not The Athletic, The, At- the Atlantic from Jamel Hill earlier today, uh, saying how he's taking and kind of wanted to take a official visit to Howard in addition to uh, the five schools in his top five, which were Arizona State, Michigan, UCLA, Kentucky, and Missouri. I believe that's the the five of them. No, yeah, I believe those are the five. And then he's also going to Howard, the HBCU in Washington D.C. Kind of, you know, showing you know uh, with people looking up to him and everything, and kind of, you know, you know, you know, paying tribute to his African American roots, absolutely, and you know, giving giving a little bit of love to a uh, an HBCU that usually doesn't get a talent the level of you know, a top hundred guy in the country. You know, those the, those kids go to the kids that put on ESPN and CBS every night. Those go to the ones that can get them the best professional career. And not that they can't do it from H- HBCU, but if you look at the trend of where these college players are coming from, there's way more in the power of six conferences, the big six conferences in college basketball than in the SWAC or in the NEC or things like that. You know, just uh, it was kind of a, a look at you know how that tide could change if one day a guy like a Josh Christopher or any one of these athletes, because if we're being honest and we can talk about it kind of frankly, it's kind of an, a really uh, serious discussion kind of out of nowhere, but a majority of the kids in the top 100 of basketball and for football really are, are of African-American descent. That's not an arguable point. If you look around Missouri practice, there are, there are a ton of great kids, but they are of African-American descent. And, you know, just it was kind of looking into the future of what if one of them kind of went to a school like a Bethune Cookman. You know, there are people like a Steve McNair who went to an Alcorn State. Those those guys exist. Walter Payton went to an FCS school. Jerry Rice went to an FCS school. So yeah, it, was, it was just an interesting article looking at that. So the point being with the basketball recruiting that Conzo still has that chance. Uh, in the tw- in the 2020 class, if not, it'll have to wait until 2021. Uh, Missouri did pick up their first commit though of the 2020 class on Saturday in seven foot three center Jordan Wilmore from Georgia. Uh, a definite need for them because there's a chance that the next year's roster, none of the three posts that Conzo has are going to be on the roster next year. If the NCAA denies the uh, eligibility appeal for Axel Congo, he gets one year and then he's done. Reed Nico is graduating and then there's always the possibility that Jeremiah Tillman forgoes his senior season and goes to the NBA. So definite playing time available for some post players in Conzo's system. You know, a true center is really what they're looking for in the next couple of classes to kind of add some depth because they're really, really stacked at the guard position. So... Yeah, that's kind of where everything stands. Thanks for guys for listening this week. Any 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 final thoughts here, Chris? Before we go get the sliders at at, at Booches and uh, have to stop by an ATM because they only accept cash. I'm, no, I'm excited to go to Booches. This will be my first trip, and uh, you know I'm excited about Saturday's game to see uh, you know Troy against Missouri. Uh, you know I want to see you know if Missouri can stop this high powered offense that Troy has. So that'll be exciting to see that. Yeah, to give you time to give a preview, I think in our pick'em. Chris and I did pick both pick Missouri to not only win, but win with the spread, which was 24. So that's more than three touchdowns. All right. Well, Kevin usually has the outro here, which is for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Until next time, I guess I'll say it for him. Until next time, thanks for listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Mizzou Sports Podcast.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.